convinced that God has a message for you today. I, I believe this. I believe that God has a prophetic word for you this morning, for each one of us that are here, that, that God wants to use what He wants to communicate today to bring meaningful life change, not just into your moment, but into your forward journey. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to uh, Genesis, the 25th chapter. I, I want to talk to you on the subject. We're, we're still in our series, The New Normal. And I want to talk to you about the issue of diet. In fact, I'm going to introduce you to a new diet this morning. Uh, and it's called uh, the Destiny Diet. Have you ever had that moment when you're, uh, when you're in a restaurant and, and you've had a great time, and then they bring the bill. Okay, see, y'all already know where I'm going, don't you? And you look at the bill and you go, what? Wait a minute, what? what? This is, this can't be right. This has to be for another, another table. Now, if you're the person that, you know, you've taken people out to eat and you've said, hey, I'll get the check. And then when the check comes and you have that sticker shock, you, you're concerned, but you don't want to let the rest of the people around the table know, right? And so you're kind of like, hmm, hmm, yeah, yeah. Desserts were how much? Listen, if you think, if you think that bill at the restaurant if you think that was a bit costly, this morning I want to talk to you about the most expensive meal that has ever been eaten. It tells us this in, in, in Genesis uh, chapter 25, it tells us this in the 34th verse. It says, so Esau despised his birthright. God, we thank you for your word today. We, we pray that it would truly be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. God, help us today to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. God, we commit these moments to you, and we thank you, and we praise you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. So here's the story. You'll see it there in Genesis 25, starting in verse number 21. It tells us this. It tells us that Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, Rebekah, because she was barren. And the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. Now, it tells us in verse number 22 that the babies jostled uh, each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? And so she inquired of the Lord, and the Lord responded to her and said, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older uh, will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. Esau is the older. What was the word that was given to Rebekah? Let me, let me share this with you again. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now, if you know this story, that seems like an odd thing to be written there in Genesis 25. Because what's written in Genesis 25 there does not happen. In fact, the exact opposite happens. Well, how can that be? As they, as they grew older, 
It tells us this in verse number 27. The boys grew and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, the father, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now once when, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. To which Jacob replies, sure, sell me your birthright. Now, anyone who's grown up with siblings, you can understand what's going on here, right? This is, we, we've all had this conversation, right, with a brother or sister. Hey, share some of that with me. Uh, well, let's talk about what I can get out of you for it. And, and what does is, what is Jacob ask for? What he asks for is insane. And yet, Esau somehow, somehow he says, uh, okay, why? It all begins with appetite. And here's, here's what we all know. We all know this, that appetite is a natural thing, isn't it? We all have this hunger. In fact, each one of us in here, we have a, we have a cupcake circuit in our brain. We, we really do, okay? And, and, and don't know exactly where it is, don't know exactly how it works, but there is this spot in our brain that says, mmm, cupcakes. In fact, the very mention of food, for some of you now, your brain has become much more active. You were, you were starting to doze off a little bit, but now I have you. Why? Because this part of your brain has now been energized. And what happens is this. Our body sends signals that says, hey, we're hungry. In fact, what it is, it's a, it's a hormone, a hormone called ghrelin that actually, it starts down in the gut and, 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 and it, will, it will make its way up to the brain. And when it makes its way up to the brain, it actually, it lands on three different centers of the brain. And the biggest and the most influential is the reward center. It's, the, it's, the, it's called the mesolimbic pathway. And it's the reward center. And our body says, listen, I need food. And as we respond, our body says, thank you very much. And, and there's this sense of accomplishment. There's this sense of reward. So we have hunger. And then as we do something to respond to that hunger, it creates this sense of satisfaction. Not unlike Snickers bar. Snickers satisfies. You see that? Snickers satisfies. Now, here, here's what I know, okay? Stand up, you, right there. You, no, George, tap that guy on the shoulder, because I want him to know that's what I'm talking about. This is your candy bar, because Snickers satisfies. We're going to see if I can get it to you, all right? I may hit you guys in the front row, and if I do, I apologize, Okay? I was one row short, but you didn't stand. You got to work with me, all right? Let's try it again, okay? Snickers satisfies. Are you ready? You're going to catch it this time, right? Don't let me down, because if it hits George, George is going to be mad, all right? It hit George. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Snickers doesn't really satisfy. It only pacifies. Okay. I've lost most of the room because now you're all thinking about Snickers. 
at the end of the service, everybody gets a Snickers bar, okay? The, the ushers will be in the back, and you're all going to get a Snickers. But only, this is just like children's church, only if you pay attention. You have, you have these appetites, right? And, and not, just, not just for food. We, we have these natural appetites in our life right? We have, we have an appetite for success. We have an appetite for relationship. We have a, 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 an appetite for intimacy. We, we have an appetite to, to acquire. We, we have these appetites. And, and it's very important that you understand this this morning, that the appetites that you have, God designed you. He wired you. Remember I told you there's this circuit in your brain that is a cupcake circuit in your brain. That appetite, that's something that God has given. To have appetite, to have hunger is a natural thing. It's a God-given thing. God designed us to have this. Having appetite is important. Why? Because food fuels the body. And God designed us to be relationally connected. So this, this appetite for relationship, it's something that's given to us by God. The, the appetite for success or accomplishment, that's something that is God-given. Why? Because God has given us this directive that we are supposed to go out and be fruitful and multiply. We are supposed to accomplish. We are supposed to subdue the earth and rule over it, right? And so we have these, we have these mandates that have been given to us by God. And what appetite does is appetite pushes us in the direction that God wants us to go when appetite is healthy. But here's what the enemy does. The enemy will take and will take what is designed to be healthy and what is designed to be good, and he will skew it and twist it into something that is very unhealthy. And instead of us walking in destiny, we walk in difficulty. Instead of walking in freedom, we live in bondage. And here's what I'm 100% convinced of, that God wants you to walk in freedom. See, that's what the Word of God says. It says that it is for freedom that Christ sets us free. We are not supposed to be in bondage to anything, and yet far too many of us, we are in bondage to an unhealthy appetite, just like we find in Genesis 25 with Esau. And here's where it starts. It starts with legitimate hungry. It tells us this, that Esau came in from the open country, and he was famished. Now, that makes sense, right? What's Esau been doing? He's been out hunting. He's been engaged in activity. He's, he's out there. He's come in. It's been a long day. He's hungry. It is a natural thing. It's a God-given thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, here's what happens. When hunger is left unchecked, it has a way of skewing perspective. Let me say that again. When hunger is left unchecked, and when hunger happens and there's no plan to respond to that hunger, it will skew perspective. So here's what I know. Are you ready? I am going to be hungry today. In fact, I will tell you this, I don't eat before I speak. Because even though I've been doing this for 30 years now, I still get really nervous when I do this. And so, uh, just to where I don't have problems, I don't eat before I speak. And so, there are two things that happen when I get done with our time together every Sunday morning. Number one, I'm tired. I'm really looking forward to being in my recliner at home. And number two, I am famished. I am weary. And it, it, th this happens. Now, our body gets to where it knows what times we normally eat, 
This is the reason why you'll get hungry at certain times of the day, and it's pretty consistent. Here's the reason why. As I mentioned, you have this, you have this cupcake circuit in your brain. So your body does not, it's, you, you were not born with a natural desire for cupcakes. Okay? You are born with this issue of hunger. And what you do is this, is you program this, this system in your, in your body. And it, it follows your patterns, it follows your routines, it follows your habits. And so if you're somebody that you eat consistently every morning at 7 a.m., every, every midday at noon, and you have a 6 o'clock dinner, your body is going to learn that, and it's going to follow that pattern, it's going to follow that paradigm. And that's when your body, physiologically, it's going to release this hormone, hormone called ghrelin, and it's going to send this hormone up to your body, uh, up to your brain that says, hey, you're hungry. You should eat something because you're not the same person when you're hungry. At least that's what Snickers tells us. <laughs> By the way, there's another hormone in your body, leptin, that it, it, it triggers and it sends a message to your brain that says you're full. That doesn't work so much in my body, but that's a, different, that's a whole different sermon. Esau is a hunter. This is what he does. He also should have understanding of when his body gets hungry and how his body gets hungry. But because Esau did not have a plan for his appetite, what happens? He walks into the tent, and his perspective is skewed. Notice this. He makes this statement. He says, look, I am about to die. Really? Jacob, I'm hungry. Give me some of your stew. Some of your birthright. Come on, seriously? Look, I'm about to die here. What does that birthright even matter? Let me ask you a question. Was Esau really about to die? What was he just doing? He's out running around hunting. Was he carried into the tent on a stretcher? No, he walked in. He's hungry. Have you ever been at that place where you were so hungry for something that it skewed your perspective? Look, I am so hungry I could eat a house. No, you can't. I am so hungry, I will eat anything. Really? Here's a box full of nails. Mm. Okay, maybe not so much a box full of nails. But this is what happens. Listen, hunger will skew our perspective. Can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with someone who who has just gotten so sideways in their marriage relationship because they didn't respond appropriately to this natural hunger that God has placed within us for relationship and for intimacy. And in that moment where, 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 where that appetite kicked in, and there wasn't a response to that appetite. It skewed their perspective, and they thought this thing that would absolutely destroy their family was actually a good thing. I've 
I've navigated with friends who have made horrible financial decisions, horrible business decisions. Why? Because they had this appetite for accomplishment. And, and, and listen, that's something that God has, God has placed within us, this, this, this hunger to, to actually accomplish something, this hunger to have impact, this hunger for legacy. This is a good thing. The hunger that you have, it is a hunger that's given to you by God. But what happens when this legitimate hunger, when, it, when it's not properly responded to, just like in Esau's situation, it can, it can skew our perspective. Because what happens is this. The issue of that that we are hungry for, it becomes all-encompassing. It's like taking a, taking a camera and having a, a zoom lens on it, and we zoom in on that one subject. And, and that can be fine when I'm looking for definition. But here's what happens. When I zoom in on one thing, I lose perspective. And notice, notice what Esau says, I am about to die. What good is the birthright to me? In, in this culture, in, 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 in this culture that we read about in Genesis 25, the birthright has tremendous significance. Let's go back and, and look at what it says earlier, okay? I, I, I want to remind you of this. God speaks to Rebekah, two nations are in your womb, two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older, the older Esau will serve the younger, Jacob. As the older, Esau is afforded double the inheritance of the younger. But it goes beyond that. He is the head of the household. He is the head of the family. He is the head of, in this context, he's the head of a nation. And not just a nation. A nation that has an incredible destiny. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses asks God, God, what if they ask who you are? Here's what God says. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Esau, he, he was supposed to be part of the very definition of who God is, the very explanation of who God is. In, in Matthew's gospel, when, when, when Matthew talks about the authenticity of Jesus as the Messiah, and he presents Jesus' lineage, it says this, and Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. 
It was not God's plan. It was not God's design for that name to be Jacob. It was God's plan. It was God's design for that name to be Esau. Esau sold his legacy for a bowl of stew. And it seems so ridiculous. It seems so insane. It seems so downright stupid. And yet every one of us here in this room, we can relate to it because we know those moments in our life. We know those situations in our day. We know the hassles, the hardships, the hurt, the pain that we're carrying right now because of appetite that really originates as healthy in our life. But we are not responding to it appropriately or we, in that situation, we didn't respond to it appropriately and it skewed our perspective. And we paid way too high of a price. Or some of us in the room today, we're still paying way too high of a price for what is supposed to be natural, natural, healthy hunger that we've allowed the enemy to take and turn sideways. Yes, sir, God wants you to be happy. Yes, ma'am, he wants you to be in relationship. But, but ma'am, here's what I want you to understand. God's word says that you're not supposed to be unequally yoked and you're in this frustrating, abusive, disruptive relationship because instead of allowing God to satisfy this appetite, this hunger that you have, you responded in the moment and now you're stuck in a life of pain. And I'm not here to put you on blast. Please know that. I'm not here to put you on blast. I'm not here to judge. Listen, your story is my story. Unchecked appetite. Appetite that is, that, is, that is left unresolved in a healthy fashion that gets skewed and causes us to lose perspective. We all have our version. We all have our story. And we all have the opportunity to recognize today that God has a better way, that God has a better plan. Because just like Snickers wants you to believe that Snickers satisfies, when it doesn't satisfy, we know this physiologically, Snickers doesn't satisfy, here's what it does, it pacifies, and that sugar rush pacifies in the moment until about 30 minutes later when you have an absolute crash. And we've all gone, gone down that road, whether it was the, the appetite to acquire, or the appetite for relationship, or the appetite for significance, or the appetite, pick the appetite. And we responded to something in the moment, thinking that it would bring satisfaction, but instead all it did was pacify in the moment and left us in much worse condition afterwards. Esau was not a pauper. He was not living in a pauper's home. It was not a situation where the only thing that he had to eat was this red stew. The fact of the matter is this. If Esau was about to die, all he had to do was step outside the tent, pick any number of animals that were part of the, their family's flock, kill that animal, cook it, and eat it. But here was the problem. That would have taken a little bit of time. That would have taken a little bit of effort. It would have required some patience. And instead, what he did is he responded to that which was there in the moment. But a decision for a moment cost him a lifetime. And how many of us, a decision 
in a moment cost us a lifetime. It, it would be, this truth would be devastating if it weren't for the fact that grace like a wave comes over me and it washes over me. And we are, we are in a place, we're in a moment. God has brought us here not to point out our faults and failures, not to make us feel bad about the fact that we have not dealt well with some of these appetites in our life. God has brought us here this morning to say, there's a better way. I've got a, I've got a better plan. See, I, I have a destiny for you. And the older will serve the younger. Esau despised his birthright. Why? Because a legitimate hunger was left unchecked, which skewed his perspective. It caused him to devalue and to deviate from God's plan for blessing. And when dealt with incorrectly, this issue of appetite, it will leave us bitter. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Let me take you real quickly to another portion of Scripture. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, it tells us this, starting in the sixth verse. It says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is a story that is not just a story for the line of Jacob. It's a story for all of us. This is what the Lord says, Isaiah 49, 7. The Redeemer and Holy One of Israel, to whom... To him, to him whom who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. Understand that this is referring to, Isaiah 49 is referring to the time when the Messiah comes. The time when Jesus comes. It's referring to the time of salvation, the day of salvation. It's referring to the time that you and I live in today. This is a prophecy that speaks to exactly where we are at today. Exactly where we are in Orlando, Florida at this moment. And it makes a statement, I will, I will keep you and make you into a covenant for the people to restore the land, to reassign its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. They will feed beside the roadside and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat upon them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. He will turn all the mountains into roads and the highways will be raised up. I love this principle. It says this. It says they will feed beside the roadside. Do you know what that means? It means this, that it won't require a lot of effort, okay? We don't have to go looking for that which will satisfy. God says this, when you walk down the path that I have for you, when you live in the mode that I have for you, when you stay in the center of my ideal for you, here's what you're going to find. You will feed beside the road. You will not have to venture to the left. You will not have to venture to the right. 
I've got you. I've got you. This is what he says. See, here's what God promises to the hungry. He promises, I have you. Isaiah 49, 8. I will keep you. He promises that he will ease the burden. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. What that means, friend, is this, is that you can trust God's plan. Here's what he says, Isaiah 49, 10. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. I know, I understand the hunger pains. Because I live in the same world that you live in. I understand the desire to have the body physically satisfied. I get that. I understand the desire to acquire. I like stuff. Okay? My love language is gifts. Let me, let me say this again, church. You might want to write this down. Are you ready? Your pastor's love language is gifts. Yeah. And um, did, 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 does anybody need me to pause where you have time to write that down? Anyway. Um, by the way, my mind just went like 15 different directions with that. And so um, some interesting, some humorous, and some frightening. Any. I have an appetite for success. I, I, I want to I do well. I have a, I have a hunger for, for legacy. We, we, we shared last Sunday my 30 years in ministry. I, I'm 52 years, of, 52 years old. I genuinely believe that I can do this for about another 30 years. And... Um, because I think, I think that I can do this till I'm 82. And then I don't plan on going anywhere at 82. I just will just kind of hang out. But, um, you know, and let the young guys take over and pat me on the head every once in a while. But I'm, I'm at that place now where I'm, I'm starting to think about legacy. What will my, my, my legacy be? What, what mark will I leave? And, and I want to do that, right? I want, my, I, want my, I want my life to matter. And I want, if the Lord tarries um, and if the Lord does not return before he calls me home, uh, I'm, I want to leave behind an impact. I want to leave behind an imprint. There's a, there's a hunger for that. So just like you, I, man, I, I, have these, I have these hungers in my life. I have this appetite. We, we all do. And just like you, I'm keenly aware of those situations in my life where, where appetite has gotten me sideways. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.